Well, thank you guys for joining us back. This is Teachers in the Wild podcast. I am Fry, the one and only, maybe a French one, I'm not sure. And with me tonight is always my partner, Donovan. Hola. Donovan, say hello to the viewers out there. I said hello. I said hola. Mm, that's hard to hear. Mm. And tonight is very special for us. We have the founder of Outdoor Vitals out in Utah. We have Tayson Whitaker with us. Tayson, say hello to everybody out there. Hey, happy to be here with you guys. Hopefully more than just my mother heard that. Um, but we are so happy to have you. Um, your company is very interesting to, to me as a camper and a backpacker. Um, I had not heard of Ultralight. So first off, can you tell us just a little bit about Outdoor Vitals, how it came to be, and uh, what it stands for? Yeah, so Outdoor Vitals, uh, we got started about four years ago from super humble beginnings and uh, really got started out of the need to develop high quality gear and, and sell it direct to consumer to try to just cut out extra margins and some things like that. But uh, kind of the reason that it was started was was I was getting into, you know, more ultralight backpacking and things of that nature and started looking at the price points and just kind of started realizing how much better premium gear was, but also how much more expensive it was. And that that was kind of a problem for me. You know, I was going through college at the time and and things like that. And and I never wanted the price points to be a barrier to people enjoying outdoor experiences. Growing up, I had, you know, used a lot of um, gear that wasn't as suitable and had a lot of cold nights, had a, you know, different experiences where, you know, I was still in the outdoors. I still loved it, but having like really nice technical gear um, would have made that so much better. So that's really what we're trying to do is, is help, you know, more people get good, high quality technical gear with outdoor vitals. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've seen some of the price points on high end stuff and I mean, just damn, like some of that stuff is absurdly, like absurdly expensive. Yeah, and and that's really what that that really fuels me because that I, I just can't imagine someone paying some of those prices because it's not it's not really logical and and to me those aren't honest prices, you know. So um, trying to trying to deliver stuff at honest prices is is something that's pretty important to me, I guess, because I, I I get riled up sometimes about when you're in this industry. A lot of times you can kind of back your way into how much that might cost to produce. And sometimes you're like, man, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm a single parent and, you know, to be perfectly honest, price point is very prohibitive from me, for me to get like, um, you know, some of the more, more durable, um, higher quality stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can definitely respect what you're trying to do. So I give you mad props on that one for thinking of us. Both <laughs> no. Folk. I, that's what I like to do is, I mean, and, and like I say, we're not, we're not a budget backpacking gear company, but, um, just trying to, just trying to make it a little bit more honest pricing and not have extra margins and built into price points when they're, when they're not needed. Almost definitely. You're not a, uh, like a basic backpacker. Some of the stuff you offer is really advanced. And, um, as someone who likes to hit the AT every once in a while, some of this stuff is going to be on my next paycheck. <laughs> Uh, the summit um, zero degree uh, storm loft, the down sleeping bag looks amazing. So for me, what I'm, I'm curious, what did you use before you got 
into the premium gear of like the down sleeping bag. I'm just curious for myself. I'm asking for a cheap friend. Yeah. Not no, friend. so b before Outdoor Vitals existed, what was I using? Yeah, so yeah. I was using like stuff that you'd find at your just local um, kind of like like above discount stores, kind of specialty shops. Um, but it was definitely stuff that was what I would consider like a like a distributor brand where they're just they're just a middleman taking product from a factory to a retail store and they're they're trying to hit price points. And so like I had a zero degree bag that that I would today I wouldn't sleep in 30 degree weather in that thing. Um, and it was huge and it was bulky. And and so I was using basically what you could get just real locally in it at budget type prices. So sleeping bag, zero degree bag, you know, well under a hundred dollars. And, and that, that's kind of the type of gear that I, I grew up using. So because of that, does that change like what you said you were going to offer with outdoor vitals? Um, and you're like, these are the things that we have to offer. Um, there's no compromising that and then expanded from that. Or did it, you start with one item and then build the brand from there. Yeah, so my my perception, probably because I didn't get to use high-end gear earlier in my life, is I think my perception of, of real high quality has changed a little, bit, a little bit over time. And if you followed the brand at all, you've kind of seen how much we've made our products better and made them better and made them better. So initially, I wanted to release a down sleeping bag. My goal is to release a down sleeping bag that was a little bit more budget friendly, but was, but was way beyond, you know, what you could get anywhere else in a retail type setting. And so we released a down sleeping bag. Um, it was comparable to like a 500, 550 fill power down sleeping bag. So kind of a lower tier down sleeping bag um, in terms of that, but we were able to release it at right around that hundred dollar price point or just under a hundred dollar price point, which at that point in time was probably the first down sleeping bag you could have done at that, at that type of a price point. But my, my goal is definitely when I was packing up my bag, um, there are a few big things that I was lacking. And one of the biggest things that I was lacking was, was a sleeping bag. And when I started looking at the price of down sleeping bags, they were, they were just so far and above my budget that I saw that as a huge need. And I also knew that the worst part of camping for me had always been sleeping. I had always slept super cold, you know, using sleeping bags that we'd picked up at garage sales sometimes and different things. And, and, but I knew like, I would like fear going to bed at night growing up because it was like, man, it's going to be a long, cold, miserable night. And so that was definitely something that I, I wanted to fix. I wanted to get good night's sleep in the backcountry and, and not freeze. It is definitely one of my feelings as well. I'm always cold. And so when I go out and camp, uh, I have a 30 degree sleeping bag and I feel like it doesn't keep me warm enough. And so. And we hear that, like I hear that we don't do a lot of shows or anything like that, but we've done some um, and and just talking to people. And if people are like, man, I don't camp, I don't do that. If you dig and just ask one or two more questions, most of the time it's because they say they get too cold. You know, they don't want to freeze. They don't want to. And, and that's that's just a big limiting factor that keeps people from from enjoying the outdoors. Nobody wants to end up like Leonardo DiCaprio. They think that's yep, what the outdoors exactly. is. <laughs> I don't, I totally don't get that reference. <laughs> uh, <ripped> it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it. 
I haven't either, but at least like go along. With I have, it. and it's pretty good. I got it. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, I'm not a big Leo fan. For a second, I thought she meant Titanic, and I was like, "What are we talking about a wooden <laughs> door for?" <laughs> you gotta just hold on. <laughs> There's plenty of room oh. on that. <laughs> I on know, that door right? Oh, <laughs> uh, madness. Yeah. Um. So let me ask you this um outdoor vitals i guess would be considered a smaller company um especially when you look in like comparison to like you know some of the big name manufacturers like your reis your north face and stuff like that um what is it like kind of being in a business environment with those kind of stores floating around yeah it's it's definitely an uphill battle um because we've chosen not to go through retail channels and retail channels is it's i mean that's kind of how you you blow up fast and get big fast but instead we have to go kind of acquire each customer you know have to go meet each customer online per se and then build their trust and you know go through the whole sales process online before someone's going to buy from us and so um figuring out well ways to do that really efficiently is is can be tough when there's local stores you can get into and those stores, you know, 90 plus percent of all their revenue is coming from stores. So they're not even doing it online either, but you know, those are big powerhouse brands. They've been around for a long time. They're very well known. So really the struggle for us isn't that we aren't, we can't beat them at developing better product at better prices. And, and some of that it's, it's more so getting in front of people and building their trust and, and letting them know that there's, there's newer, better options. For me, as someone who's like buy local, stay local, this is even though you're not local to me personally, this is something I can get behind. Because as soon as I started looking at your products when I was on um, outdoorvitals.com, like I saw that there was quality there. And I know the next time I have money for a sleeping bag, because I definitely will need one for the winter, I'm going to be looking for um, you. Now, my question as a hiker, um, and, and a novice hiker let's let's put that to, um in perspective i am pretty new at all this stuff what does ultralight mean because your motto is live ultralight and for someone like myself i don't really know what that means yeah so to get like real technical you know people have kind of different terms of what they consider ultralight some people you know to them ultralight just means that your base weight of your pack is under a certain amount of poundage um, before you add like water food. And some people, and, and that even varies a little bit, but some people say that's like 10 pounds. Some people say that's like 15. Um, so there's there's a little bit of, of wiggle room there. For us, ultralight really means for us that, that it's as lightweight as possible. It's using the highest end premium type fabrics, ingredients. I like to call them ingredients because whether it's your insulation, the fabrics, um, or different things like that, or, or what goes into the design, right? If you've got a ton of extra zippers and pockets and this, that, and the other, you know, that's not helping it be lighter weight. So um, trying to make it as ultralight as possible with the design and the ingredients that you're putting into that um, is really the goal. And, and for each product, it's kind of different. Um, you know, for a sleeping bag, ultralight might mean somewhere in the two pound or under range. But um, as a whole, typically most people will say an ultralight setup is is 15 pounds or less. And some people are even more extreme and say that your base, your base weight on a pack would be like 10 pounds or less. My goodness. Yeah. Th those guys are real wow. extremists. You know, they're shaving down their toothbrushes and they're, 
you know, they're, they're doing some, some real intense stuff to get to those weights. Um, but to each person, it's a little bit different. Um, but to me, if you're buying ultralight gear, even if not all of your ultra, your gear is ultralight, you know, you can make big differences with, with select pieces of gear to, to drop pounds. You know, I would say you're trying to drop pounds at first. And then once you get to a certain point, you can maybe start looking at dropping ounces. And, and then some people even start to drop grams, right? So you have those gram weenies out there that are just trying to drop grams at, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that I never thought I'd see it, but there's kind of a um, oh, uh, how do I want to put it? it? It's kind of a similarity with um, with like cycling because you know, oh yeah, people are always trying to trim down the weight of their bike. Like you know, it, it's absurd, and it, it does get down to like that gram type thing. Like people will change their spokes so they can save a few grams on their wheels. It's it's crazy. It, to me, though, that in in a way, once you get to that certain point, it almost seems like it's kind of taken away from it. Yeah, I think I think everyone needs to have there's there's going to be things that pe- that some people just aren't willing to sacrifice and I think that that's that's going to be different for everyone, you know. Some people might be willing to shave down their toothbrush but bring, you know, a more expensive or a more heavy food item. That's their guilty pleasure out there or different things, but I, I and I think honestly a lot of people that are getting down to that gram factor, they're kind of they might be sometimes doing that more so to to brag about how low their pack weight is. I mean, the lower your pack weight is, the more fun you're going to have hiking. That's, I mean, I, I totally, totally believe that. Like if you've got a 50 pound pack or a 15 pound pack, it's amazing how much more fun things are with a 15 pound pack. But um, there's always going to be some, you know, guilty pleasures that you might pack out there um, that just doesn't make weight sense, but magnifies the quality of the trip. I, I definitely agree with that. The first time I went out on the AT, I had... 45 pounds on my back and i had no knowledge of what i was getting myself into right that's like half your body weight all right all right you never say a lady's weight thank you very much i'm glad the internet knows now (laughs) but we decided to shrink our trip from uh nine miles to 3.3 miles we're like oh yeah that's totally gonna make our day and just life easier well we had to do the same amount of elevation Mm -hmm. as that nine mile in three and 45 pounds a new person on the trail with new boots i felt terrible so getting that down to 15 pounds would be amazing but at the same time i'd be really scared (laughs) because i would feel like i would forget something no that makes a lot of sense i think there's there's a lot like especially with new backpackers we see all the time they're scared to leave something behind that they'll need and things like that and regardless of of who it is a new backpacker is always going to have a heavier pack and the more you backpack the more that weight starts to drop even if you're not like changing out gear you just start leaving stuff home um but yeah that you can definitely drop that but i really liked what you said because it really resonates with with some of our brand messaging and and we're just about to put out a new kind of like brand video that really talks about some of our core values. And, and that's something that really hit home with me is like, I found myself, you know, the weather would turn bad or, or, or something different. And, and I would go home, even though I didn't want to go home, I just knew that I was going to freeze my butt off or I was, you know, I was going to get soaked to the bone because I didn't have a good rain jacket or, you know, my, my trash bag that I was using as a rain jacket was, was going to be no fun when it really started pouring. So I would go home early and, and that's, that's the exact opposite of what I'd like to see happen. I mean, some of the coolest things that happen in nature happen in the middle of a storm or, 
you know, you, 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 you last through a blizzard out here in Utah and that quiet calmness that that's after the blizzard is, is worth, you know, surviving that. And, and without some decent quality gear, um, it can be miserable to try to survive some of those events and, or, or sometimes you just, your friends want to go on a 15 mile backpacking trip and you know, your packs this heavy and you just say, yeah, I don't think I'll go. It's, I don't, I don't have the gear to do that. And that's, that's what I'd really want to, prevent from happening with people i i'm just imagining that <laughs> utah blizzard <laughs> i'm like all right i can see the good yeah of this. I, I i was up on the mountain in but in may I'm... just up on the mountain in may and i got hit with a blizzard and thank goodness i had you know some <sighs> uh a prototype jacket of ours that that was a synthetic jacket that performed really well and even when it was wet it would stay warm and you know i was lucky to have that because i I didn't freeze my butt off and I got to kind of wait out that storm, but that's in May here in Utah. So the weather can turn fast out here. <laughs> wow. And, and to be fair, I mean, if you're going to, you know, if, if your pack is 12 pounds or you rode out a blizzard, which one is better bragging rights? I mean, really? Right. Naturally. <laughs> this is one of those arguments where size does matter. Yeah. We'll go that with that, a, sure. That I'm, I'm sorry. I, oh, geez. This is why it's just reversed in backpacking. Size does matter, it but it's, it's backwards. Yeah. The smaller pack wins, you know? Oh, yes, most definitely. So, <laughs> so going back to the, the beginner hikers, <laughs> back on track, what is one product that um, Outdoor Vitals has that you would say this would be great for the beginning backpacker for beginning backpacker um i would definitely look at our sleeping bag line um we've got we've got a pretty broad range right now and and we may actually cut that down a little bit in the future um to be a little bit uh more 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 specific i guess but right now like you could go into outer vitals mm -hmm. and with 65 bucks on the low end you know up to, to a little bit past 200 you can select a bag that's going to perform really well. And, and so let's say you're really budget, you want to get into backpacking and you're looking for a sleeping bag. Um, mm -hmm. Something that I didn't really know growing up and, and had to learn is that even, even in synthetic bags, let's say you're not going to do a down sleeping bag, even in synthetic bags, not all synthetic is equal. Um, it's, it's a lot different. And so like, the stuff that you're going to buy at maybe just local special specialty shop that's under $100, it's going to have a synthetic fiber. It'll be hollow fill, but typically like each fiber that's woven together in that in that insulation is about seven denier thick. So it's like it's almost as thick as some of the thread that that people are using on the outside of products, uh, light, light ultralight products. So it's really thick, which means it's not going to compress very well and it's not going to create more insulating air pockets. Meanwhile, if you were to use like a high-end synthetic, um, which would be similar to the cheapest product we have, um, which like synthetic-wise would be similar to like some of high, the high-end Primaloft synthetics and stuff, each one of those fibers that are woven together there is about 0.7 denier, so 10 times skinnier. And what that does is it allows that synthetic to compress so much more. And then when it is out and lofted up, it's going to have so many more tiny little air pockets that insulate. Um, so... I guess the moral of the story is, is, um, you know, with, with us in our sleeping bag range, especially that's kind of where we got our business started. Um, whatever the money that you have to spend, um, we'll be able to find something that'll fit you and that's going to outperform 
you know, other retail type settings where, you know, they're really trying to hit price points for retail shelves. Well, that's awesome. I'm looking at uh, some of your products right now. And I think the coolest one for me is the, um, the underquilt for a sleeping bag for hammocks. I did not know that was a thing. And I'm so excited to, to try that out <laughs> because I love hammocking. And to know that I can be insulated and that, you know, the quality of product is there. Um, is really hard to do for um, a, I would say, a smaller company. Uh, but you not only separate yourself from these big corporations and distributors, not only from your product, but your philanthropy as well. So you grew up um, some years in Malaysia. Yeah, so I, I uh, went to Malaysia for about two years as a volunteer. And so I got to spend time right there in the country. And really get to know those people and and uh yeah that that it had a big effect on me it really changed the way that i saw the world um in just the sense that it's like i see the world much more as a as a global community than just like you've got like you know the us and then you've got japan and they're their own country and they're totally different and separate than us and it just kind of made me realize you know it doesn't matter where you were born um everyone mattered and i was fortunate enough to be born in the united states where i had just so many opportunities. And so when I came back from Malaysia, um, that really stuck with me. And I, uh, I actually had a goal or, or a vision to maybe build a factory in Malaysia or Indonesia and, and like let people work five days a week. Cause I mean, just to imagine someone out there working five days a week would like, it would blow their mind to not work six to seven days a week, sun up to sundown and, and, you know, in the conditions that they're in. So um, you know, that's, that's a long-term goal. That'd be really hard and lofty for, for us to hit, um, in an early, early stage in, in company growth, but it definitely changed the way that I saw everyone and, and made me just always want to give back and, and do my part. I think that any company or even on a personal level, uh, whether you're religious or not, I think that everyone, um, always has a little something that they can, that they can try to help others with. And we hold our business to that same type of a standard so at, at outdoor vitals we we donate one percent of of revenue um to different funds the one that we've worked with most is well the one that we've we've exclusively worked with is is charity water um which is just basic the majority of their work is is like in africa uh drilling wells so that people don't have to walk great distances to get water or um drink water that's bad and and causes all sorts of different sicknesses throughout people's lives so um, yeah, just that was really ingrained with me that, you know, everyone, everyone really matters, didn't matter where you were born and, and that, you know, we've got to do our part however we can. I am definitely there with you when, uh, traveling is one of my favorite things to do and being that I had the opportunity to go to seven different countries. I share that vision with you. Like we are just a bunch of people that are, we are all the same. Um, the things that separate us are things that we've constructed and they are awesome and they are unique, but we still have to remember that your neighbor doesn't mean the person next to you. It means the person that exists with you. Yeah. I, I think there was a day and a time when, you know, you needed to help people that were right next to you. But I think with, with technology and, you know, the ability to travel the world so much easier, I mean, who's to say that, you know, your neighbor isn't someone even in a different country these days. So. Yeah, I mean, human race is, is a very connected thing, and the internet's only made that, like, more so. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think kindness is something that's lacking in the world, so it always kind of makes me, you know, feel all fluttery and happy when there's a company that's, like, 
helping other people out because you know there's always that like corporate greed thing that people get hung up on and it's like i love seeing companies that don't do that right and that's that's one thing that i think that i'm i'm really proud about with our company is is that we we're, we're kind of family owned um you mentioned earlier fry that when you came on our website you felt like you could kind of connect with with us and some of those things and that's something we've really tried to do with videos is you know, a lot of times when people write into customer service, even though I, I personally can't really handle customer service anymore um, and <laughs> haven't been for a while, but um, people will write in and say, you know, hey, Tayson, I had this question. I was watching this video and I had this question and it's developed a, a personal touch. Um, unfortunately, over over the years, a lot of these companies that were started by individual people, um, they've been acquired by investment groups and and sometimes investment groups don't have the long term in mind or, or some of those things. And that's one thing that I love about the way that we get to run our company is, you know, I want to own and run this company in 30 years. And so we're really genuinely trying to help people and, and, and be in it for the long haul for people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was actually, um, I was browsing around your YouTube channel and there's a lot of really useful information on there. Um, not to mention, I have to say this, I'm just going to get it out of the way that beard of yours, man, I am jealous. I've heard that about thing. this for weeks. That that thing is freaking magnificent, man. I bet it smells like home and fresh baked cookies. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You gotta you gotta get some woodsy scented beard oil to to rub in that. Man, so. that thing is it's majestic. That's the only word I can think to put. It's majestic. Where? No, I, I appreciate it. There's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I kind of started growing it for fun. And then people started calling it out on the YouTube channel all the time. And then before I knew it, I was like, I don't, I, I said to my wife, I don't, I don't think I can cut this. Like it's, it's becoming something. And, and then, you know, a little while goes along and I'm like, I, I seriously can't cut this. Like, this is a thing now. And now I'm like almost two years into it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to cut it. I mean, it's, it's some work. Beards are our work. And I think it's going to have to get cut, but uh, yeah, it, ne it was never meant to be a thing, but people really called it out so much that I felt like I, I couldn't I'm telling it you, go. man, it might be like the Samson's hair of outdoor vitals. I mean, that might be what's keeping everything going. <laughs> it might be where you get your power. Yeah. We, we need to redesign the logo. Maybe we, maybe a beard's the next oh, logo or, a, or something. Uh, <laughs> or like a fleece hat with a little pulled down beard for like a face warmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just thought of someone like when it's cut, I wonder if one of your tribe members would say, hey, can I have that as part of my down? Oh, jeez. If someone was that passionate about us, I, knew, I would know we were doing something right. <laughs> and then my wife would probably also be nervous at that point. But <laughs> that, that would be concerning. Um, there it is. The, the signature line, a small piece of Tayson's beard in every sleeping bag. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Um, I think my cells just went down. <laughs> we'll edit that well, out. <laughs> no, when, when we're done, you can send me the. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the address for the royalty checks on that idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God, Donovan. Uh, you're, hey, we needed some brevity. We needed some brevity. We needed a little laugh. We've got it out of our system. We're good. We can get back to being not even remotely serious, but kind of. Well, I guess that leads us into like um, definitely, I think, Donovan's favorite part. Are there any interesting stories that you've gotten back from um, the Outdoor Vitals tribe 
about them on the trail and the gear and like how it might have helped them or just like something silly that happens or even with you and the guys um and those who work at outdoor vitals yeah that's that's tough i mean we see a lot of stuff come in and, and sometimes it doesn't really like sink in as well as it should but uh on the funny note one time um we had a customer and i can't even remember what happened this was this is pretty pretty early on and something happened where like the bag didn't get shipped um to his correct address or he'd updated the address or something and and we had to to fix it and send him a different one well he had a a, a camping trip that weekend and he was going to bring his girlfriend and so he writes this in this email and he and he basically said you know the bag didn't get here till till monday and i was leaving friday so my girlfriend still came with me and i had to give her this crappy old sleeping bag that that we had and she froze her butt off and basically broke up with me because of this camping trip and how bad it was and i we it was it was it was pretty hilarious he was blaming everything on us but in the sa- oh at the same gosh. time he he basically said that that he used his normal good sleeping bag and this sleeping bag was for his girlfriend and he didn't offer her the nice nicer sleeping bag that he used but he blamed us wow. for getting broken up with because of this address <laughs> issue updating thing so that was probably the funniest email that that we got uh one of the guys pinned that up to the wall for a little while but um but no i mean we <laughs> we we get a lot of of really great reviews and really great feedback um trying to think of of anything specific um i think uh, oof. i think what's fun about kind of where we've where we got started we really got started a little bit more in in the high-end budget sector and we're, we're kind of growing more to just the premium sector but it's been fun to just get a lot of feedback from customers about you know this is my first backpacking trip and donovan you mentioned how on our youtube channel we've got a lot of uh just good information like that's that's a big goal of, of ours is to just help people even get out for the first time we we did a youtube series about helping backpackers for the first time and that was you know trip planning mapping safety stuff as well as gear and and some of that kind of stuff but uh, we have a lot of people that write in and and we get a lot of have a lot of pride for people that are that are getting out for the first time you know i completed my first overnight trip and and had a blast and and want to thank you for the gear and, and you know and so we get that and that's probably what resonates with me the most because that's you know that's a big passion for me is to help people more people get outdoors and enjoy it but yeah i, I gotta i gotta touch on something real quick before i i speak on the youtube thing for a second um you know call me crazy and i'll, I'll admit <laughs> i've been single i've been single for a couple of years so maybe i'm out of the loop but if you bring your girlfriend camping wouldn't it make sense to just share the sleeping bag <laughs> It, de- it depends. It. <laughs> Some of our sleeping bags, even our mummy bags, you know, they're pretty wide in the shoulders. You might be able to make that work. I don't know if you've gotten some of the other sleeping bags out there, but they are pretty snug, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're lucky if you can like combine two. Yeah, I'm just saying, just saying. You're thinking of like 1990s, the the Coleman <laughs> uh, sleeping bags you got from Walmart. Those are pretty big. Like you can fold those out into a quilt. Because well, I did. To be fair, any sleeping bag I get needs to be huge because I'm like six right. five. So, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> touching you on can't the take um, you anywhere. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm a I'm a horrible human being, a poor example of well, pretty much everything. <laughs> moral fiber. Um, <laughs> what is moral fiber? Um, t- 
touching back on the YouTube thing, one thing I like about the the YouTube stuff uh, you guys provide is, and I've noticed this with a lot of activities. We um we talked to a fly fishing guide recently, and it's kind of the same thing there. You go online and you start looking around at stuff. Like, say, I'm going to get into whatever activity. And you start looking at four. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't even get me started on the prepping rabbit hole, please. <laughs> I, I one night for some reason I started oh, watching man. prepping videos on YouTube and like eight hours <laughs> later I dug myself out of it and like I was speaking in like acronyms and it was <laughs> it was terrifyingly like Walks my god. Into work the next morning I fry fell down the rabbit hole. Great. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a lot of videos. Bad. I mean there um, is an audience, a whole a whole group of people out there that are just way into prepping. I, I definitely get it. <laughs> they they oh, try to follow us on or they're trying to follow me on Instagram. It's weird. Well, there there was one guy I saw and he just started talking and he had dead eyes and I was like, "That's it for me, man. I'm done." I mean, this was like you've heard of the thousand yard stare, right? This guy was looking over <laughs> into the West Coast somewhere. I mean, from here, like this guy was just out there. But I digress. Um, we can talk to preppers another day. Um, we were talking to um, – we did another interview with a, with a fly fishing guide, and one thing I've noticed is any type of outdoor activity now, especially with the internet, because there is such a wealth of information, it's almost intimidating. You know, like you go – say you want to start backpacking, and you just – you know, you Google backpacks. I mean, you're going to get all – like just a ridiculous amount of information Um most of the places that do recommendations are recommending like three and four hundred dollar bags. Um, you know, well, yeah, there is that. Um, and then you just, well, I mean, you just go to like, you know, a forum and it's like, Oh, if you buy this, it's garbage and you need to buy that. And it's, it gets so frustrating trying to sort through like the misinformation and the conflicting information that is nice to see all of that kind of information in just one spot and it's in a and it's in a, a format that's really easy to follow and makes sense no i i definitely agree with that i uh the way that i see it is um i want to i'd love for us to provide the knowledge that that they might be needing um and and, and then from there, they can make their own decisions, right? They, they might figure out what's important to them and then look for a backpack with specific features or a sleep mag with specific features. And, and even if that's not Outdoor Vitals product, um, then that's not on the customer or our sales or anything like that. That's on, you know what? We need to design a better product. Um, so I, I, I never want to be fearful of like being too open with information because if our product isn't good enough, then that's on us to design a better product. And an example of that, honestly, is... We've got a backpack right now that doesn't really resonate as well with our audience as we'd like. I, I designed it for a lot of my personal needs. And when it really boiled down to it, 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 it uh, probably didn't suit other people's needs quite like it did mine. And it was a mistake, you know, that, I, that we had to learn. Um, but I'm still going to tell people everything that they want to know about backpacks. And then if they look at ours and it doesn't look like it's going to fit their needs and they go somewhere else, that's a part of it. But um, at least we're, we're providing honest information and, and trying to help people get outdoors, right? And and if the backpack didn't work out for them, that's fine. Maybe some other product will someday, and at least they know who we are now. So with that, do um, with this feedback from customers, 
how how often do you change products um, and product lines because of feedback from the tribe? <laughs> that's that's a great question. So one of the the coolest aspects about running a direct to consumer company is we can we can make changes to products extremely fast. Um, with 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 the traditional methods of selling, you pretty much roll out 2018's product line and you produce that for a whole year. And then you roll out 2019's product line and you produce that for a whole year and so on and so forth. And so you can only make changes to products or design new ones about once a year. With us though, we anytime that we get feedback and it's legit feedback and we run through it and, and we need to make a change, we make we can make that change so fast. Um, we could literally you know, call up our suppliers and say, hey, we told you to design it this way. We want to alter this a little bit, and and it can get done, you know, in the middle of production of of a line of products. And so, um, if like I say, if you followed us from the beginning, you will have seen us make a lot of changes to products to make them better. And that's you know that's great because we can do that because we're a direct to consumer company. But then also the feedback and the connection that we have with our customers really, really, really helps us out to make sure that. Um, you know, we're always we're we're always looking at any issues they have and fixing them, or or anything like that, and and that's really helped us design better and better and better products. That's really cool, and I um, it makes me wonder: Are you a millennial? <laughs> yeah, I I'm 27, um, so I'm I'm pretty young. Um, but that's that's something that we're 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 trying to target, to be honest. And you mentioned earlier, Donovan. You know, you've got the North Face and and some of these brands, the Patagonias. Um, I, I would like to be known as, as the next generation of those brands someday. I mean, obviously that's a long ways off and there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but I, you know, I think one day some of those brands will, will be looked at more as, um, you know, the last generation's brands and hopefully we're targeting, uh, a little bit more of the up and coming, um, age demographics. I, I think you definitely are because everything that, I do now, um, being out of college, having um, the adult life hitting me, I'm being very aware of where I buy my products from and how it impacts not just myself, but the economy. How does it um, impact local businesses? How does it impact the environment? And I think I say, are you a millennial? Because that is part of this new generation that's coming up. We are much more mindful about what we want from companies, and you were filling that void in the product line to provide that transparency. And so, I definitely think that you can be the next uh, Patagonia and North Face and um, Black Diamond, all of that, and so much more. You know, I got to admit, this is starting <laughs> to sound like um, Bash the Old Guy. You are also a millennial. <laughs> I am so, no, 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 misconception, misconception. Uh, millennials <laughs> stop at 1995. Like I just squeaked in there and they start in okay. the early eight, like 1980. That is millennials. This, the kids that we teach, these high schoolers, they are called <laughs> Gen Z. They're weird. Nightmares. Yeah. And then the kids after them in 2011, and onward, that is Generation Alpha. Why do I know this all information? Because I love doing generational studies. And because I'm just close enough to the kids that I teach in age that I see the differences. <laughs> and gosh, they're terrible. 
I wonder what, I wonder yeah, what they say about millennials, right? Yeah. Sure. What the, when, when we started coming up through the ranks, right? <laughs> oh, we kill everything. They're still saying that. Things that like our students are killing, these 18-year-olds, wow, that makes me sound incredibly old. Um, I, I actually had, um, it was kind of funny. I had a kid, um, oh, it was either last year or the year before when uh, that movie Straight Outta Compton came out. So, you know, these kids are coming up to me and they're like, oh, did you see Straight Outta Compton? Did you see Straight Outta Compton? I'm like, yeah, I, I saw it the first time, you know, when it actually happened. You know, I remember having that CD. Actually, to date myself, I remember having that cassette. Oh, God. Well, at least I know what those things are. Uh, yeah, see, for, for I, back in the day, we used to have to, like, go to a store and we bought these like things in plastic boxes and then we put them in machines. Hey, and Donovan, you're not that old because I remember having cassettes as a young you kid it? too. I mean, but I also remember the birth of the Walkman, you know, Why? and that was, Why that was something it? amazing. My, my older brother had a, had a Walkman and oh, I mean, you wow. couldn't shake it, you couldn't move it or it would skip, but it would play music from a CD and it was something special. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that was that was the disc man. Why, that was the disc. Why man. is everyone assuming that I didn't have those either? I listened to Simple Plan on the bus to school. Like, I I also experienced these things. <laughs> I just happened to be in a smaller, younger package. See, now I'm just feeling bad for you. Bad for you for listening to Simple Plan. Hey, Simple Plan still is on my top albums listened to. <laughs> Let's not talk about the other ones, though. It's a, a, oh. a dark emo past. You kids with your rock music. All right, metalhead. But anyway. Yeah, get off, get off my lawn. We digress. Um, so, Taysen, I'm going to have one last question for you before uh, we start to wrap this up. What is one time on the trail where you had a... Uh, like a mishap or just a a humbling or funny time maybe it could be something from like your last camping trip i'm not or your backpacking trip um but one time where you just were like i am such a new since i've started the company I, I was thinking of a time when i was younger and forgot a sleeping pad and froze and then jumped out of my tent to go in the morning and uh and i stepped oh, into a wow. foot of snow i had no idea it was snowing and i was sleeping right on the ground froze my butt off since i started the company though, that's a that's a better question um <laughs> i i i don't know i feel like i i would say probably i don't know if i have a specific experience that's coming right to mind um i'll think about it a little bit but i would say i felt i've i've felt a little bit under knowledgeable or, or different things at different times because i didn't grow up using the premium gear and so outdoor vitals in the very beginning what we designed was was some high-end stuff to me and i thought it was was real high-end and then the longer i've been in the industry the more connections i've been able to make the 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 higher quality stuff we've been able to produce, um, things gotten better and better and better. And so sometimes when I talk to people that have been in the industry a long time for high, high end technical groups and, and things, that's probably where I feel sometimes I'm like, man, I'm, I'm building this multi-million dollar company right now. And I feel like that guy just like has so much more knowledge and history and stuff in the area. It's like, 
I question like, man, am I, am I, am I the guy for this? But, um, so that's probably where I feel like a noob occasionally is, is, is in that scenario, but uh, specific instance on the trail, I, I feel like, I feel like the most likely, and, and I can't think of a specific situation. It's just when you forget something super important. Um, probably, probably the best, the one that I can think about recently is I, I had a pad that had popped or, or it had a leak in it and I set it aside to fix it when I was home never fixed it forgot about it went on the next trip grabbed the same pad and then had to sleep on the ground and and i mean that's never fun but uh that's that's probably the most it's just either forgetting something or or forgetting that that something happened to a piece of gear and and not taking care of it at home sometimes i'm always just get too busy to scramble and too much at home and and don't take care of the stuff like i probably should yeah that definitely makes my worst story seem so much worse now like um <laughs> all right <laughs> look if you tell your story maybe it'll jog my memory because i am not like there's definitely times i feel like where i'm just like man f my life out here this is going wrong but but you, you tell your story and, and hopefully I'll, it'll jog a, an experience for me all right i learned two valuable lessons on this little excursion um one is never pick up a stripper named lefty no i'm kidding um <laughs> I see how you resonate with your students now. No, I w- <laughs> yeah, oh, no well, he doesn't have you know, his own personality in front of them. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's assuming I have personality to begin with. Um, no, so I'm like, oh, God, I'm probably 16, and we were camping at the coast. It was like a family camping trip. And, you know, my, like, my family is from um, the coast of New England. So we're, I want to say it was... Uh, somewhere like Myrtle, like Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle, something like that. I thought you were going to say Murder Beach. (laughs) Yes, Murder, that would be in New Jersey. (laughs) Um, So my dad gives me this lecture. He's like, before you go out, make sure you're wearing shoes, right? Simple little, you know, wear shoes while you're walking on the beach. And I'm like, screw you. I'm 16. I know freaking everything. (laughs) And I go walking without shoes. Um, Well, as I'm walking, one... First, first lesson, I forgot sunscreen. Um, and I am extremely Irish. So you can see where that's going. Um, but I'm walking and I'm like, oh, look, a paper bag. I'm going to kick it. Said paper bag was a jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, your pain is hilarious. <laughs> so I, I kick it. Well, it gets better. I kick it and I, I, I instantly kind of feel, you know, a, a tingling, burning sensation. Um, and I, and I kind of go back into the water. Like, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to rinse my feet off. Right. So I go back about five feet in the water and I look down around my other foot. There's another jellyfish. So I managed to get stung (laughs) on both feet. Okay. So I bring my busted ass (laughs) back to, you know, where, where the family's camping. Um, and I, I, because I'm a guy. And I'm a teenager. I don't tell anybody what's happened, right? And I don't want anybody to see what's happened. So I get this genius idea that I'm going to put socks on. <sighs> okay. Oh god. I wake up. I wake up the next morning and I take my socks off, and literally the top layer of skin came with them. I had a jellyfish things on top <laughs> of a sunburn. Oh, that just that sounds like a a terrible 
terrible skit in a comedy show. Sounds like a metaphor for my life. Yes, I know. But so, yeah, that was probably one of my worst um, outdoor experiences. <laughs> Man, that uh, <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> And, and and the stripper named Lefty, but All right. another day. Yeah, never. Not not another day. That's in the past. We're gonna leave it there. <laughs> no, that sounds terrible. I've I've like got grazed by a jellyfish, and that was painful. So I can't imagine, you know, purposely kicking one. Uh. <laughs> well, to be fair, it wasn't exactly on purpose. It was. But wasn't it? But it was. Like I said, a metaphor for my life. It was it was the yeah. penultimate Charlie Brown football <laughs> moment, is what it was. Yeah. Man, you guys uh, have very different spectrums of like a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, there are so, so did you already tell your worst time fry with the heavy packers or something better than that? Oh, that oh, that's like my since I've become outdoorsy in my adult life. Um, no, the worst time was when I was like 13 and I was camping with my Girl Scout troop and we actually like went camping. There wasn't a bathroom anywhere. So you, you know, used the great outdoors and nature called at like one in the morning. So put on my headlamp, go out, dig my hole, everything and realize that you don't have toilet paper and everyone's <laughs> asleep and you just you, you you try to figure out do I wake up my ten partner or do I go in there? Hmm. Or do I just suffer through? Well, I ended up just waking her up, but it was really embarrassing. You, usually um, you just come back sleepless. Kinda of scary at like thirteen. <laughs> I I was not that resourceful at that time. I wasn't that ballsy either. Um See, I See I thought this I was gonna end with you grabbing a handful uh, yeah. of poison ivy. Uh no, I, I that would be a terrible thing my mom was my troop leader so if i did that i would probably never live that down um actually i know i wouldn't <laughs> i would have had to get tattooed like the pattern <laughs> um and my mom being a person who takes pictures of everything when i told her the next morning she took a picture of like holding me like laughing at me so, how shaming evolved there yeah. <laughs> oh no italian woman shaming her daughter never never happened <laughs> we're teachers we do nothing but get shamed that's pretty much our job description shame abuse you know and that's why we became teachers so we can publicly shame people you probably don't want your children to be our our pupils after this well, if it's not you it's someone else so true well i i can say for certain i can teach them the difference between a jellyfish and a plastic bag valuable lessons Definitely so. Valuable lessons. That, that's that's right up there. Would never trust a man who gives himself his own nickname. <laughs> well, this has been great. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you um, and learning some much about outdoor vitals. Um, so, what we do at the end of um, our interviews, we and our episodes, we like to give suggestions to our listeners about uh, maybe a podcast or a YouTube series, a piece of gear, or just someone to look into, or, or an organization. So we want to throw that ball into your court of a suggestion you would give to our listeners of something they should check out. You got any ideas of what it might, that might be? Yeah, so um, I would definitely say 
it would align with a lot of your people listening to to check out our YouTube channel and to subscribe to that. Um, you know, like we just we provide a lot of, of great information. We try to be very unbiased. Um, and, and, you know, of course, we're going to talk about our products on there at different times. But um, some of our best performing videos and stuff have just been, you know, maybe comparing sleeping in a hammock to sleeping on the ground and and just trying to to provide really good value. So if you're looking for more information, um, jump over to our YouTube channel and check some of that out. And then let's say I, I would say for us, um, one area that, that we're getting a little bit heavier into and have done really well in is actually the hammock community. There's a lot of people that like to hammock camp. And there's also a lot of people that like to do both. And I think that we're doing a really good job at providing some really versatile products that can be used really well on the ground um, as a normal sleeping bag, or you can use them on a hammock because um, they're totally different. If you use a, let's say you just grabbed your sleeping bag and stuff in a hammock, um, your backside is going to get really, really cold because there's no insulation there. Um, it's what you call cold butt syndrome. Um, so we want to try to help people avoid cold butt syndrome uh, and get some proper insulation for hammocks. But um, yeah, check out our YouTube channel. And uh, if you have specific questions about backpacking, we've got a, a really, really good um, team member on my team right now that mans our live chat just on our website, OutdoorVitals.com. And you can jump over and ask him questions about backpacking, anything you want to know, and uh, he can he can help you out on that live chat. Awesome. Well, guys, you've been listening to Donovan and Fry, and we've been sitting here talking with Tayson Whitaker of Outdoor Vitals, which is out of Cedar City, Utah. Um, go check them out at OutdoorVitals.com, as well as on their Instagram and Facebook, Outdoor Vitals. Um, I'm signing off for us this evening. We've enjoyed our time. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you guys. Hit us up on Instagram and Facebook, Teachers in the Wild Podcast. And stay wild, my friends. And stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>